Well, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back this up into PC takeover. Uh oh. suggested this topic. I don't blame. remember. We can blame them if it goes Probably bad. Seth, I'm going to guess, but I have no idea. Hmm. So maybe Toby, my friend. So we, uh, there's a news article. We're just going to do a quick, it's been a news review day. No. So we'll just review two pieces of news. One piece of news is an article in The Hollywood Reporter titled... Eight Reasons Hollywood is Stressed Out Right Now. Which is like, damn, Hollywood Reporter, you really are just going in on the listicle, huh? Uh, so this was kind of an accompanying accompanying piece of another piece that they wrote at the same time, which was kind of a longer form piece called uh, The New Age of Anxiety in Hollywood, uh, which was basically talking about how literally executives in Hollywood are all uh, having really bad anxiety problems. Uh, and they're all over-medicated, um, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they tell the story of a guy, um, Spink, this producer Spink, who was part of Bender Spink, which I've actually had some dealings with in the past. And, uh, he died of an overdose at 45 because he was just like slamming anxiety medication constantly like Xanax. Uh, so yeah, that article is called disruption, consolidation, uncertainty. Welcome to Hollywood's age of anxiety. But really it's like, uh, about the overwhelming prevalence of anxiety medication and meditation and all these people scrambling to try and find ways to get rid of their anxiety while being in Hollywood. So the reasons that uh, Hollywood Reporter says people are anxious in Hollywood about uh, are all these extremely obvious uh, <laughs> and not at all the real reason reasons. Um, cause this is just all normal shit that any industry goes through. Um, and they list these eight reasons. If Murdoch is selling something must be wrong. And that's referring basically to the sale of uh, 20th century Fox to Disney. So now Disney's going to control all those Fox assets. Right. Which is, I think kind of, it's about this Rupert Murdoch succession, which is, uh, somewhat motive, ins- inspiring of a fantastic show on HBO, Succession, which is so fucking good. Yeah. So good. Um, I think the season finale is tonight, which is really exciting. Or the whole show. Brian finale. Cox is in that, right? It is so oh, fucking Brian good. Cox. Brian Cox is in it. The One of the best characters is... Uh, What's his name? Cohen or uh, what's his Kieran name? Culkin. Kieran Culkin. So good. It's really a very well done show. Um, I like how Brian Cox has been the same age for like twenty years. I know, it's it's, and he's so good at it. It's very good. Uh, second one, we're in a content bubble. Yeah, okay. And bubbles eventually pop. I think it's so dumb that media companies constantly call things bubbles. This is a bubble. Everything's a bubble. 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 
It's like just because you say something's a bubble doesn't mean it's actually this, a bubble. The, one of the stats in this was shocking to me. Scripted originals are expected to grow as many as 520 shows this year, which is unbelievable. Who? How is that much scripted TV content yeah, who's paying being for this shit? and consumed? Yeah. Like, how, how do you watch all these shows at the same time? Because I think it's now a watch, right? Is like, oh, if you clicked on something one time on your Netflix app, you watched it, you right. know? So now everybody, I guess all that stuff's being measured. It is, you're right. That is a very shocking, shocking number. That's a, that's a ridiculous number of TV shows. Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, to consume that much TV, you would have to like watch hours and hours of television every day. Yeah. And it's to- like all this, think about how many more, and it was already up 7% the year before. So it's like. It's just there's so much shit being produced. And because, you know, it's like more channels, more shit, right? Yeah. But it's like, who is the show for? Like, are like 10 people watching your show? Right. Well, yeah. I think they are. Um, And for whatever reason, everybody wants to get into content. I don't know. Uh, Where are the four other studios? Here's another shocking stat. The... Divide of the U.S. box office between the haves and the haves-nots is getting worse for six majors. As of July 8th, uh, for the six major studios, as of July 8th, Disney commanded an unprecedented 44% of the summer domestic market share, followed by Universal with 17% for a combined 61%. In the years past, no studio had earned more than 20% during a given season. So that's fucking insane. I mean, that's crazy. You're you're talking about never before has one studio owned more than 20%, and this year Disney has 44? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really That's a crazy. lot of superhero movies. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, like, Disney's essentially becoming the government arm of the, you know. One of our attorneys <laughs> is a Jew. So, which is hilarious, because they're, like, the ultimate anti-Semitic original... It's your company. Charles. I uh, I have material about this where I doubt that there's any evidence to prove Walt Disney is an anti-Semite. Really? It just seems like a r- rumor that people like to tell. That people like to say, yeah. Uh, you, Charles, do you want to take a couple of... Comedy is dead, or at least not looking so funny. Nobody's laughing in the film comedy biz right now. Although it's doing fine on TV, on the big screen, the genre has been slumping for more than two years with this year's top grocer game night earning a depressing $69 million. Compare that to a decade ago when The Hangover pulled in $277 million in U.S. box office. And like, I mean, this is not a shock to anybody. People don't want to go to the movie theater and see comedy anymore. It's just not that... There's no attraction. I mean, you can watch great comedy at home from a variety of sources. Just going into a theater and sitting and watching like a scripted Hollywood comedy is boring. I mean, The Hangover was so big in part because it wasn't just a comedy. It was a mystery because you didn't know what happened on The Hangover. And it was outrageous. And that's stuff that gets people into theaters. But like going to see some fucking romantic comedy or, you know, poop fart movie is you're going to pay $14 to go see it. It's not a shock to me at all. It's well, like, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to back this up into PC takeover. Uh-oh. It's, uh, you know, when you are living in a um, world in which everybody is terrified of offending everyone, when you basically are living in this new Victorianism where there's this hyper intense moral code that you have to live by, mm. 
comedy is going to die mm. because you're not going to be able to make anything funny. Right. You, you know, because in order to be funny, you have to be raunchy or inappropriate or you know you have to cross those lines and transgression yeah they're not they're not willing to do that and it's, so it's like now you have you know as josh said that the, like the netflix special of the woman it's like comedy but i'm just gonna talk about being raped for, 20, oh, <laughs> for two hours n- and and not in a, a meta way you know so well, I, I haven't i wanted to talk we about should talk about nanette. we should watch I nanette i can't i, I don't think I let's can. watch, watch nanette and do a thing. Maybe we should do a commentary or something. This is my position on Nanette. I actually don't mind Nanette. Did you see it? No. Oh, okay. So um, we're both talking about something we didn't see. My because I'm all for an artist making a statement about what she thinks something should be. I actually am 100 percent in favor of that. I'm glad it was successful. I like that. I like it when artists who have a uh, perspective that's different get promoted what i don't like is the reaction to it we're like this is how comedy is now <laughs> See, this it. is the future of comedy and it's like okay right. that's not appropriate <laughs> the future to- of comedy is women telling their me too stories but as live. A, as an ar- <laughs> as an artistic like so dystopian as an artistic piece <laughs> like hilarious. i'm fine with it so yeah, sure. i, I want to separate the annoyance that people feel at being told this is important versus people watching it and go, oh, that was enjoy. I liked what that was. Right. But this doesn't mean that like this is how comedy is going to be. There were so yeah. many fucking articles where it's like uh, they compared Bill Maher's special, which I also didn't watch, to Nanette. They're like, this is a part of the past. And I'm like, when has Bill Maher's stand-up been relevant in yeah, like 10 anyway. years? Right, right. Like he's on his show is what people talk about, not his stand-up. Yeah. So it's a false comparison. Well, and I can't tell if people mean that they actually like it or do they really like it or do they like the idea of it? You know, yeah. I mean, well, it is, and it's a, the question. a bunch of people that talk about, I think Lori Kilmartin, who's a writer on Conan on Twitter, I, th- I think it was her that pointed out the m- most people that like review stand up and talk about it, they watch three specials a year on Netflix, HBO and wherever. They don't go to clubs. They're not really knowledgeable about what's happening in the clubs. So then they make these stupid pronouncements about the yeah. state of stand-up. I don't think stand-up should be reviewed anyway. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's silly to review stand-up. I mean, right. it's like either it's you like it or you don't well, like it. Well, people are laughing like, or they're not. That's Yeah, right. It's, totally. Yeah. And, and back to the point of comedy is dead on this one. A lot of movie comedy is has been sort of destroyed by improv. Judd Apatow, I blame for this, and uh, Ghostbusters, which the remake, is a perfect example where there's not a good funny script where it's a movie where funny stuff happens, and instead it's just people being quippy and saying yeah. funny Ugh. lines and making up stuff on the spot. And I think that's tiresome. I think people want to go if they want to see a movie, they don't want to see recordings of people improving based around a very loose thing. Yeah, sure. Like that's fine occasionally, Spinal Tap being a perfect example, but it can't be you can't just be like, well, we're just going to go in there and see what happens. Yeah. That's not enticing. Like A Fish Called Wanda is a tightly written comedy with great comic performances, but I guarantee nobody was really doing a lot of in the moment improv. Yeah. Like there was characters written like Kevin Klein's character in Fish Call Wanda, you couldn't improvise that. That's just this very specific douchebag yeah. that works in that movie. And we're just we're away from that now. We don't have like 
characters anymore in comedies. We just have blah. Yeah, right. And The Hangover Oops. has characters, right? It has four pretty distinct characters. But Which, right. modern, a lot of modern comedy, it's like, okay, these are just generic. Well, and that's not too quippy. No, exactly. Right. The Hangover I mean, it's a has a quippy. The Hangover has a, a structured really script. Structured. It has a yeah, mystery, yeah, and true. it has four carefully delineated characters. There's like the yeah. cucked dentist, yeah. and there's the crazy bearded guy, yeah, and yeah. then there's uh, Bradley Cooper's kind of asshole, yeah, asshole, misogynist teacher. Yeah, which is a weird, but but I mean, I the Hangover's pretty good. Uh, By the way. It has a line in it that you could never have in a modern comedy, which is when they pull up outside of Ed Helms, the dentist's house, and uh, he's like, we're just going for a wine tasting. It's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be very mature. And then outside, Bradley Cooper has a loudspeaker, and he goes, paging Dr. Faggot. Yeah, oh, exactly. You can never Dr. have that. Dr. Faggot. Could you imagine? I mean, that's only 10 years ago. And how about that Asian character in there? Like the Asian character. You would never get away with that now. No, no way. So basically, comedy's dead uh, in the mainstream because they're just, you can't get away with anything anymore. And people don't really understand what comedy is. I mean, this is a big, we should have a larger comedy. This we should have Josh again on. Sure. Is about the death of we comedy. We should have Josh and then whatever Josh's opposite yeah, is. Yeah, right. We, and... It's also, I think, it would be really good to have a whole thing on quippiness mm. because you, every trailer now, even they have to make sure to insert the quips, quips. Yeah. even in the most serious, like you know, the most serious. But every superhero movie now, they got to make sure yeah. there's at least three quips in there, so you know, like, oh, it's also, it's Yo, also it'll be funny. fun. Yeah, they're fun. It's like you remember how sitcoms used to be where. People would just like not have realistic dialogue at all and just throw jokes back and forth. Yeah. That's like sitcoms are dead, but they've infected movies. Everything. Yeah. So right, right. the way that people talk in, in these movies is so like serious moment, serious moment. Twist. Yeah. Are you for real? Yeah. yeah. OMG, oh, said the old 80 year old lady who would yeah, never say that. Right. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, ha, 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 so cute. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. quippiness is really everywhere. I was actually, it was funny because I was watching a like super serious trailer for something the other day and I, it was like quip, quip, quip. They, like, it was random quips were like inserted and I was like, this is really weird. We should, maybe we should do a recut of the Phantom Thread trailer where we just take all the funny lines from the movie and yeah. cut the trailer that way. Yeah, let's, uh, that would be something you would see on Reddit. Yeah, I'm not going to spend time doing that. Uh, okay. The Incredible Shrinking TV season. Incredible Shrinking TV season. Actors and writers used to land cushy 22-episode jobs that could carry them through a whole year. Even in broadcast TV, that's becoming increasingly rare. Shorter episode orders along with uncertainty about what defines a hit, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Job security. I actually, I this is not a problem. I, TV shows <laughs> don't need to be 22. TV seasons don't need yeah. to be 22 episodes long because it just results in, like, just total overabundance of storylines and stuff that doesn't matter. 13 episodes, perfect. Yeah, this is just bad. This is just bullshit. Yeah. Same is... thing back at this, the second one, where did my back end go is basically the same thing. It's just like actors used to be able to get more back end because the deals were bigger and net streaming deals don't have back end or something. So whatever, stupid, irrelevant. Next one is Chinese money won't save you. Um, this one is basically saying that there was a big insurgence of Chinese money for a little bit. Wanda Group Wang Jianlin was hinting that he wanted to buy a bunch of shit. Uh, and then now, suddenly, I guess Chinese regulators have cracked down on outside investment. So Chinese capital flow in Hollywood is down 90%. Wow. That's, that is 
crazy. Yeah. Um, really, nothing much to say there. I mean, I don't, I don't really know well, why that is. We probably want to have as many weird, random Chinese culturally friendly moments in films. Yeah. There was. Do you remember when Iron Man three came out? There, there was like a different cut of the movie specifically for China. Where there was just scenes that were like relevant for Chinese audiences. There's yeah. a lot of that going on. The, I, remember the big controversy over um, the Great Wall, was it? With, yeah, Matt, with Damon? Matt Damon. Yep. Uh, because he was a white guy in a movie with Asian characters. But the reason he was in the movie was because the Chinese investors wanted him in the movie. Because they wanted a white actor to be in the, the movie so it would sell better in China. It was just like the most Byzantine situation because yeah. people are criticizing it for the very thing that Asian audiences wanted. Wanted in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, again, I don't think Asian audiences give a shit. Uh, and the last one is Harvey. You want will... a daddy to take your panties <laughs> off? Uh, Harvey will probably name names is the last one. And so he, this is saying that he's going to put on this huge defense uh, in which he's going to call all kinds of witnesses who are going to be forced to uh, say the things that they really did, etc. And this is actually already leaking out. His his big defense is already uh, happening. Uh, recently, they published messages from one of his major accusers after the supposed rape, in which she's basically saying like, "Oh, I love you, Big Daddy. Like, I love you, Papa Bear. Like, I miss you. I don't like being a booty call. I don't like being called a booty call." Which essentially invalidates every. I mean, it's like, how do you recover from that? <laughs> Who was it? I mean? yeah. It doesn't say. Oh, okay. It's one of the anonymous accusers. Curious about the context. So, if you're really sending those text messages to somebody, well, I mean, how in the hell? Let me take. Let me take the, the devil's advocate. Let me take the devil's advocate. The abusive relationships and and stuff where you're dealing with a very powerful man right. like that. It can be weird. It's gonna it's gonna twist a lot of behavior. Like if that was to the average person, I think it's pretty uh, condemning of the person making the accusation. But with somebody who's that powerful and you're trying to stand the good side of them, like I don't know, man, you're gonna do shit to not get fucked with. Yeah, know? I mean, look, I'm certainly not taking Harvey Weinstein's side. In any of this, I'm really not. I mean, I think Generous he. No, I think he's absolutely uh, disgusting. But, but, but it, he is going to. First of all, I have a super crazy conspiracy theory that I really do believe. I think Weinstein killed Bourdain. <laughs> Obviously, not personally. Obviously not personally, but there's a few reasons why I feel like this. And he gave a semi-interview recently where he kept talking about Bourdain over and over again. And then recently an article came out uh, saying that Bourdain's last interview, Bourdain's going on and on about how he hopes Harvey dies in jail. Mm. And it's like a big, it's very... Oh, I read the the long one with the... It was basically a transcription, right? Yeah. So I think basically Harvey had like his ex-Massad agent friends why would uh, kill Bourdain. Why would he do that? Because Bourdain was so vocal about... It was, and he was trying to hurt Asia Argento, who's like mm. one of his major accusers. Adversaries. Accusers, mm. yeah. I think that that's definitely what happened. But... Um, wow. So... You heard it, it here first. In any case, uh, I think 
Weinstein is definitely going to, you know, he's going to pay some lawyers a ton of fucking money to do an all-out war. And, yeah, if, and when you're drowning, is, you're going to grab onto whatever you can oh, hold. Oh, yeah. You think a guy like that's just going to go away? Like, no way. He's not going to like, oh, well, after some self-reflection, I really no. feel like, no, not going to happen. He's going to go to the place where his bar mitzvah was held. Right. <laughs> so weird. Remember that? <laughs> uh, and um, so he, uh, you know, he's got these, the, the weird thing is that there's this case about against him that is being brought, but it's kind of like, it's going to be the the curse that fucks over this whole movement because in this case and he's going to get his lawyers to get every bit of dirty laundry against every one of these accusers and it's just going to all be published in the press right <laughs> so he's going to use this trial to actually like supposedly oh uh they did this criminal trial against him, but actually it's going to be the thing that ends up fucking up the whole narrative right. for everybody. The Me Too movement starts and ends with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Is that your prediction? If if he, if slowly but surely it leaks out that every one of these accusers was sending him I love you Papa Bear texts, it's not going to, it's not going to help too much. Papa Bear. You want a daddy to take your panties <laughs> yeah, off? I mean, you know, again, <laughs> I'm not defending Harvey Weinstein. I... My concern, I, this is why I'm concerned about this, because I think Harvey Weinstein should be flushed away. And this is now going to mean that he's not flushed away. Yeah. We're going to have to hear from him now. Oh, it's like the years of Bill Cosby stuff. Right. You yeah. Know, Bill Cosby has never gone away. We have to keep seeing him. Remember that Bill Cosby thing where he like, where they were perp walking him or he's walking with his lawyer and he suddenly like jumped at somebody. Do you remember that video? No. Let me see if I can find it. The Bill Cosby perp walk jump video. I remember him like saying he didn't he didn't jump at someone. He like said something, right? This is why we should have a YouTube show. Yeah, this for this one moment. This one moment. Do people keep telling you about that? Yeah, all the time. Who? Spencer. Who else? Repeatedly. Yeah, Bill Cosby's walking and then he like does a very dramatic turn to one way and then turn to the other way. Very weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. That's that. I mean, I don't think there's really much more to say. I mean, I think. Uh, what's the real reason Hollywood is anxious? The real. Re- what's the real reason? Well, let's hear your uh, right wing. It's not a right crazy explanation. No, there's not. First of all, I'm not right wing. I want everybody to know that. But secondly, uh, I'm not right wing or left wing. Mm. You know, it's ridiculous that everybody has to be. Oh, you got to be one. You know, it's like, I don't have to. I don't have to be one. So I think the reason why Hollywood is anxious is because Hollywood sucks now. I mean, it's like it used to be the kind of place where you could get away with a bunch of shit. You could be a total creep. You could be a misogynist. You could be a child pornographer. I mean, it's fucked up, but it's true. (laughs) Uh, It used to be like a place where power was something that... um, opened a lot of doors whereas now i think this you know the new victorianism uh the new moral code has effectively destroyed everything that was good about and not not okay being abusing children is not good being a misogynist is not good but i'm saying all the reasons why people flocked to hollywood uh to have all this kind of incontrovertible power uh, that just doesn't really exist anymore. You don't have an incontrovertible power now because, you know, I think 
Hollywood is just as complicit as anybody in setting up this absurd moral code in which everybody is scrutinized, everybody with the slightest bit of power is scrutinized to an insane degree. I I think that, I mean, the description of the bubble is annoying, but it is happening because there's just so much content being created yeah. that I think there's anxiety because eventually the bottom's going to fall out. There's always going to be movies and TV shows and shit that people like watching. But at this point, there's so much content being generated for, I, I think, faulty business reasons that, because they yeah. think that this original content is going to attract people to right. their it's platform. Too much. It's too much content and it, it's losing the magic. You know, it really is losing the magic. I mean, I, I respect what Disney has done with the Marvel universe. I think that that actually does have some magic in it, but... um. That's very innovative in, right. in some ways. It just seems to me like the they've lost the connection with the people. You know, they've lost we've lost our togetherness as a country. Well, we've lost our ability to really gather around everything and it's just become this divided shit show of screeching back and forth it, and it kind of ruins it ruins sports, it ruins movies, it just puts everybody on edge. It's also like because corporations and businesses have so thoroughly taken over Hollywood, there's not much room for artistic voices anymore. And it's the age of like an auteur being able to make his masterpiece if it's not commercially viable, it's just not going to happen. So it's tr- interesting to think about how many like cool movie voices we've lost. Well, that's not entirely true, though. I saw uh, Sorry to Bother You the other day. I've heard. It's good. Is well, it? and that's very bizarre. Right. And very, it's like idiocracy meets... Um... But my point is not that those aren't getting made, because they are. But they're not getting made in a way that it's like a mainstream conversation. It's right. because everyone's watching the millionth superhero movie or Star Wars or whatever. So right. the stuff that used to be the touch points, like you know, The Godfather, Bonnie and Clyde, and right. all these these classics that also have some real value to them, we're not really getting those anymore because they've been taken over by products that studios will know will bring them millions and millions of dollars. Right, it's got to be child friendly yada yada yeah i mean how many people are going to see sorry to bother you not enough likely no definitely not i mean it's not that good a movie it's it's get out meets idiocracy okay and you know it's got a lot of good things about it but i mean uh, you know again there's going to be even though that's probably not going to make any money there's going to be money there for that because it's like a social justice move Mm. right so I don't know, man. I mean, it's like I think the problem is deeper than Hollywood. You know, I think I think the division that we're facing in the country and just the insane amount of unhappiness and fury and anger uh, kind of ruins movies. You know, it, it kind of ruins that. Oh, you remember like when the Lord of the Rings came out during Christmas time and everybody would go and see it. And, yeah. you know, it was like this kind of warm, fuzzy thing that we all did. Uh, that's kind of gone, you know? I mean, it's like, yeah, sure, there's the comic book movies, but those are, you know, that even that's poisoned by this same stupid discussion we have to have over and over again. I, the, how much of that, though, do you think is fueled by social media anger? Like, don't, 
isn't some of our unhappiness basically based around if we took away like if there was no Twitter and no yes. Facebook and no Instagram and no all of these things and everything else was relatively the same as it is now, do you think people would be on the whole happier? Uh, totally. And I think, I think honestly, the biggest problem is our phones. I mean, yeah. I think that that's it. I think we are now on a leash. Right. And we're on an outrage leash. And that leash forces us. It sucks us in somehow. I don't know how it does it, but it forces us to not look at movies, not look at sports, not just sit and enjoy the moments at all or go to places and be together. It just, we sit and we check this. I have to give my take. Leash. Yeah, I got to give my take. I got to get outraged about this racist yeah. thing or that racist thing today. And uh, yeah, it's fucking destroying us, really. I mean, it's totally destroying American culture. Excuse me, the United States yes. culture. I don't want Detective Frank Trainer to yeah. come have down it, hard. Come down hard. Throw the book at you. <laughs> you can't use America yeah. around Trainer. There is no good cop or bad cop with Frank Trainer. <laughs> it's only this cop. It's only justice. <laughs> There's no justice here. It's just us. Oh. <laughs> uh, so read the Hollywood Reporter article if you want. Um, I would be. It would might be interesting for us to talk to some of the Hollywood people that we know and see if they feel the same thing. But yeah, we got to get some of the people in here. There's only so many movie episodes that you can do. You don't want to overload it. Do you feel like I don't know, man? I feel I, I, it might just be the situation I'm in right now, but I feel super like hopeless. Hmm. It sounds terrible to say, but. Not hopeless. You kill but yourself. Yeah, it's just kill myself because <laughs> I have a brain tumor anyway. Uh, <laughs> Get it over with. No, like I feel very like, uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of like, I don't know. Do you feel that right now or do you feel basically normal the same? I, just, I feel like things have really gotten to a point in which society is really fucked. I felt like that um, way back during the Bush administration. That was kind of the time when I was you just like, we are malaise. so yeah. fucked. But I, having gone through that, and I'm not, I don't want people to mistake that and see like, oh, because Jesus Christ, Obama came and saved us all. But I saw progress. I've seen progress since 2000 uh, when Bush was first elected. I mean, that was a huge, that was my first big thing of like, oh shit, there's a, there's a real divide in this country. Actually, it's so odd to me that this talk of division has been so recent because I really strongly remember the 2000 election. We had red and blue states. Mm -hmm. 2004, red and blue states. Like It was a total body shock to me that John Kerry lost in 2004. I was like, how could anyone want to continue what's yeah, happening? Right, how right, could we yeah. even do this? And it was, I watched, it's not a great movie, but it was on my Netflix queue when it came. I watched um, Fair Game the other night, which is about Valerie Plame and Joseph Wilson and that whole thing that happened during uh, the Bush era. And it was like, I don't know. I, I just kind of have a an okay view of how things go. I think that stuff gets bad and then it slowly improves and stuff gets fixed. I think one of the problems is that we have so much change happening to yeah. human beings as a species right now. And we're just not that great at dealing with all these different changes. Right. But I, th I think that we've 
pulled ourselves out of problems in the past and we'll probably manage to do it. I, I just think, yeah, t- we got to slow down with technology and I, I, you see it happening. Yes. There hasn't been a real big, I mean, bit blockchain, right? Right. But outside of blockchain, which is, I think, actually a cause of great hope, uh, outside of that, there hasn't really been, Apple hasn't made anything new in a long fucking time. I mean, you know, not really. Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping like this is it. You know, these phones we have, we're basically going to be stuck with these for the next 50 years. I mean, yeah, sure, they'll like get a bigger, or, you know, better sound quality. But beyond that, it's kind of like video game graphics, right? Yeah. Video game graphics kind of stopped improving. Like they... Yeah. They sort of hit a they hit a, a max point. And yeah, they plateaus. haven't gone... Like I feel like video game graphics now look about the same as they did like a few years. Like they don't look that much right. better. You no, know, whereas there was a time where it was like... Yeah, Mario to... Right, right. And so I'm hoping that like, especially in the hardware sphere, we just stop progressing, you know, like Facebook's already gotten hit huge Snapchat's all but dead, you know, Instagram's still really a big deal, but you know, I don't see any other social media platforms breaking through anytime soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of, a lot of this has to do with people just getting really worked up and angry about dumb bullshit that is a constant part of their diet and because the companies have designed these products to give us that dopamine drip oh here's a little red notification what somebody's paying attention to you you got a little treat stay on the platform for another hour while you desperately look for more and you produce more content for other people to consume i yeah i think a lot of because we got so much evangelism about technology in the last decade in particular, you know, uh, going from especially 2007 to like 2011, which is like, oh, social media. I remember, I remember back when the green revolution was happening in Iran and one of my Facebook friends was this girl I went to high school with and she's like, is this my generation's moment? Are we part of a revolution? It was like that kind of attitude because like retweeting people in Iran was making a difference. There was just this whole vibe of like, this is going to change everything and it's going to be so good. And now we're on the back end where we see all the negative impact that all this horseshit has. Yeah. And I think we have to go, th- we went through the up part where it was cool and now we're going through the down part where it sucks. Yeah. And then eventually we'll get it figured out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also. Yeah, but there's a division that you're that you're ignoring. That it's like the Sarah Zhang thing, right? I mean, that's so. The New York Times hired this woman to be on their editorial board, whatever this means, and she had all these tweets in right. her fucking Twitter that say uh, seems to be a recurring is issue. A definitely a recurring thing. They say <laughs> really, really racist shit. I think the worst one to me is. I can't ex- tell you how much joy I get from being cruel to old white men. Right. Which is like, that's so fucking infuriating. It's so perfectly infuriating. But let's be honest. She was taking a huge amount of abuse on Twitter. Sure. From so this is what the, okay, some sorry. of these same people. So let's not, these aren't you know, in a vacuum tweets, right? She is on there because she's getting abused. She's like, all right, let's just fucking, let's trigger these people. Okay, well, time out, though. 
how much shit did we give Josh for agreed you know, well, in listen. a vacuum in a vacuum? I mean, it's like listen, it's I, just the double state. The, the frustrating thing again is not okay if that's how they want to spin this. That Sarah, this which is total bullshit spin. But if that's how they want to spin it, that Sarah Jong was taking a bunch of hate from white trolls and therefore feels the need to tweet without prompting. I enjoy being cruel to old white men and. I think white people deserve to like live underground and be gross trolls, right? Fine. If she's responding to hate with more hate, right? Uh, fine, fine. The media establishment would never, in a million fucking years, afford that excuse to somebody on the other side. Ever, not even, I, not even the beginning. Oh, of it. I, I think that, I agree. I don't that, think I'm in the wrong. I don't think I'm on the opposite side of you from this one. And, and in that fact, double the, standard is is so glaring. It's almost, it almost seems fake to me. It seems so perfectly designed to enrage that it's like I almost think it's not even real. I sorry. Uh, Continue. Uh, earlier, you kind of pointed at us giving Josh shit, but I think our, our positions on this have evolved a little bit. Yeah, true. Yes, they w- have. When we initially said it, we were kind of responding to like, oh, what is this? But then, as Josh rightly pointed out, it's like this was in a context that was specific. And so since then, I've with these controversies, I've been repeatedly on the side of people like Josh. Okay. I'm like, you know what? I- I'm just not going to get into the weeds of what you were saying on Twitter at this moment. I I don't think people should be harassing people. I don't like doxing. I don't like harassing. And I don't like that regular abuse stream. But if you're just tweeting dumb bullshit on your Twitter, it's like, okay, well, who gives a fuck? So Yeah, so you're saying that it's more consistent to be both on the side of Sarah Zhang and Josh. Yes, that is the consistent position. And that after talking to Josh and, and... kind of understanding where that was from, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I just don't want to get into the right. business of adjudicating who's racist and yeah, who's and not, who's not and because of Twitter, which is notorious for taking shit out of context and turning it into a, a, uh, an issue. A bullshit. And fine. I, I think that that's smart and it's hard to do what you just did, and that is what we should do, is come up with a single standard and not be like the double standard that exists in the right. mainstream. The infuriating thing is that the mainstream media system, the double standard there in in them, forget about Sarah Zhang, whatever. She wants to tweet dumb racist shit. Who cares? That they, that they abide that double standard. That's the infuriating thing, right? It's not, it's, I'm not infuriated. I mean, I am infuriated at Sarah Zhang, frankly. But beyond that, the truly infuriating thing is that the slightest, tiniest dog whistle anything of racism from anyone would get them immediately fired from anything in the in in the media establishment. Look at look at Roseanne, right? Yeah. And how the fuck can the people that run the New York Times not understand that they are going so far out of their way to try and understand the motivation of this woman who is effectively saying, I hate these people because of the color of their skin. Not only do I hate them, I treat them badly. I'm saying that out loud. How can you possibly live with that double standard? 
Yeah. It's mind-blowing. And, I mean, it's so mind-blowing that it's like this is where the division comes from. I mean, this is where the unhappiness, this is the root of the unhappiness. It's not with people like Sarah Zhang. It's with an establishment that how can you live under this? I mean, how can you be like, yeah, sure, like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, it, the problem is that these discussions always get deep into the weeds about what, because anytime the standard is applied or not applied, then people start talking about the specific things that they said. Do you remember the drama about Kevin Williamson? Uh, he was a National Review writer. I think he still is. And I think he got hired at The Atlantic. Do you remember this whole thing? Yeah. He, on a podcast somewhere, be careful, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're f- he, we're gonna have to wait till this. Either of us or have no sh- sh- chance. So. <laughs> chance. No chance. No chance. Uh, he had said on a podcast that um, he's anti-abortion, and I, he said that women should be executed for having abortions, and I think specifically that they should be hung uh, for it. And that turned into a thing that got he got a job at. The Atlantic, and I think they withdrew it after yeah, this whole there thing. Yeah, exactly. This whole thing came to light, and then, but there was more detail in the argument because he specifically said they were needed to be hung and blah blah blah. So that that's the other issue with these discussions is that it always becomes we. There's a lot of investigating sometimes about what oh what did they exactly mean, and in this case it was fine because they were responding to this. And other times it's like nope, racist. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're not going to listen to any nuance. We're not going to listen to any excuses here, but, you know? You know, Josh's experience is what, when the James Gunn thing happened, I was primed to just be like, oh, this fucking horse shit again? Yeah, right, this is right. so dumb. Well, and I'm definitely with you there. I think yeah. it's so... Give me a break. This yeah. guy's like a fucking comedian. Yeah. You know, he's obviously some weirdo, Hollywood weirdo. Like, yeah. you, you know, come on. Yeah. You don't take away a whole franchise from a successful oh, yeah. director. But it took it took Josh's experience for me to just be like, you know what, I can't, I can't get worried about what somebody tweeted like as a joking aside one time. I, no, it's you can't not get pl- worried about any of that. I mean, it's, it's like so- I, the Sarah Zhang tweets are different, but they, I, they are a different quality. Uh, they have a different quality about them, I would say. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I mean, you know, fuck Sarah Zhang for sure. Like you're not going to get anywhere near me, but more in, infu- that's not that infuriating. The fact that Sarah Zhang tweets some racist shit, I don't care. Right. What's infuriating is the, again, it's the double standard, and and when you see that double standard there, it's it's really depressing, because you just think, what is this fucking society I'm living in? Like, where, where, what are the rules? Like, what is what is good? What is bad? Why does anything matter? You know, is it just whoever's in control just does whatever the fuck they want? You know, yeah. and then you see all these hot take things from like Ezra Klein, of course. Who's <laughs> one of our attorneys is a Jew. <laughs> Who is, you know, in Vox, it's like, thank God uh, the New York Times hired Sarah Zhang because uh, this is one, this uh, campaign against her is one of uh, the alt right's classic tactics. Well, it is. It is. No, it, that's the thing. It absolutely is. Okay. But Vox uses the exact same fucking tactics. They use the exact same tactics the other way. And so it's like, you feel like you're, it, what's so frustrating and so anxiety provoking is you feel like you're taking fucking crazy pills. You're like, one day I'm looking at you doing this thing. The next day I'm looking at you condemning it. And it's like, there's no principle. We, we have basically as a society lost 
principles. And I think that that is our downfall right now. And that's why people feel so shitty. And I think Hollywood has no fucking idea what it stands for anymore. It doesn't know what is good. They don't know up from down. You know, they have some vague notion that women should be in control, but women having been in control hasn't improved anything. You know, it's made it's made it worse. Not in control of what? Not because women are in control. I'm just saying it's like nothing has changed. Well, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of what that ends up being is just really token representation. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like Ghost, we cited this, but I think it's a great example. Ghostbusters was made by a man. A yeah. man made that movie. So even though you're replacing the right. four men in Ghostbusters with women, it's still a man controlling the movie and doing a terrible right. job and, making and, it. And here's the Bannon party of Davos take, mm-hmm. which I really love these Bannon interviews he's been doing. Do you think he smells? Do you think Steve he Bannon smells? smells like gin. Yeah, he uh, definitely, he's got booze smell. But not yeah. like he doesn't stink. He yeah. probably comes in and people are like, oof. Ugh, Steve. <laughs> Lighten up, Maybe buddy. he smells great. <laughs> no, he doesn't look like he smells great. <laughs> he doesn't look like he smells great. Maybe that's why he does. Do you think Trump smells good? He probably smells okay. No, I bet. Uh, it's probably like cheap, shitty cologne. Yeah, right. it's Trump cologne. Yeah, it's Axe body spray. <laughs> Thinking about the smells. Uh, it's funny. We can see them, but we can't smell them. Yeah. Um, that would be helpful, I think. I think you got a little whiff of men smell so bad. I feel so bad for you being gay. God, it's disgusting. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu the other day. Oh. And it's like every dude you're wrestling, you smell their like all day drinking too much coffee. Yeah. Man fucking breath. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Men Men stink. They can. Stinky, stinky I, people. I don't permit that around me. <laughs> But yes, men do stink. Myself included. I've definitely gotten home and been like, ah, God. Yeah, ugh, really bad. Yeah. Um, anytime, hey. anytime somebody's like, have you ever had that when somebody, I'm obviously not in the past seven plus years, but anytime somebody wants to get together after work, like right at, hey, why don't we just meet up at some place? I'm just like, I've got to go home and shower before we do that. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to stink. Yeah. And it sucks to stink for sure. Yeah. I think I probably stink a lot. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Can't think about it. Uh, <laughs> 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 no. So finally to wrap up, um, we're ready for, you know, I think there's a reason the superhero movies are big, man. We're ready we're waiting for a hero, kind of, you know? I mean, I think that that's... We're, like, waiting waiting for a messiah. We're waiting for somebody who's going to unify the provinces, you know? Somebody we can all get behind and can just say fuck you to everyone that's trying to divide us, you know? I mean, because people are trying to divide us all the time, and it's certainly... They're making a lot of money off of it. Um, And it's like, who's that going to be? What's that going to be? How the fuck are we going to get out of this horrible stage? Yeah. Well, I think you think it's more horrible than it is. Than it really is. Spend too much time online. It'll do it to you. Yeah, right. I think if you go out and you're around people. Yeah, which I am. Uh, it's sometimes refreshing and you go like, oh, like, this is fine. People are getting along and, and basically functioning. You go to the store, there's people all different types there, like walking through and getting their shit. There is yeah, but then you see the girl with the futures female shirt, yeah, on. and who, then it's just but like who cares about her? Like that's that. I mean, whatever you can have your your slogans, but part 
part of the problem is that we have to also allow those people to be around and stop getting so worked up by their presence. Yeah, right. Because part people like to talk about the libs getting triggered, but these right wing people are equally triggered all the time by everything. It's like it's not like we said earlier with Star Wars, right? It's because there's a black actor in Star Wars, if that really bothers you, like on a really if you can't watch Star Wars, just be like, oh, it's a black character. There's, th- you have something is wrong with your thinking, because you're really focused on this. Because yes, we don't want dumb diversity. We don't want to turn the Ghostbusters into women because women. Right. But if you have an actor in a movie who's of a different race, it shouldn't bother you on a deep level. And that I don't think it does, though. I think that for some people, it does. I think well, for, that there's like racist for. Actual real life racist, but yes. there's also but there's also like this idea that because there's diversity there, it's somehow a threat or it's wrong right. to have. And then it. by by thinking by saying that you're playing exactly into the hands and it's, of of the people that are. It's also trying to divide you. The other thing is is part of the division thing is also being like it's okay for there to be people not like me around, and that's the thing that's a huge problem is people on the left don't want anybody on the right around. Yeah. They don't want any of these people nearby. Anybody yeah. that has any Trump voting tendencies right. or is a Can't proud boy or is whatever yeah, the fuck, yeah. I don't want them near me. And the same thing with the right. I want to be around these fucking lib fucking... Well, I would say that the left, though, in my experience, being somebody who is neither left nor right, the left is far, far, far less tolerant. They're way quicker to just be like, nope, bye. Like, you're out. You're out of the subreddit. You're out of the group. You're out of the talk. You're out of the thing. I guess Whereas so, right-wing people are a little more I don't know. hardy. I lived in... I mean, it's been years since I lived there, but I lived in the South and I lived in North Carolina. And I, I really felt that disdain for yeah. difference. Well, that's true. The South is totally fucking different. There especially. Yeah. So that exists yeah. too. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that live in these spaces that aren't the coasts. There's a yeah. lot of people in middle America who are like weirdos. And they live in a fucking town where that stinks because oh, totally. they don't have any weirdo outlets. Too many men in it. Yeah. So it, there's, you know, I, I think that there's experience with that in large parts of America. And if we just spent more time in America just being like, all right, we just, I will, it'll be okay to be around this person. Right. And I can deal with it. As long as they're not behaving in a way that's fucked up towards me, yeah. that's, I think we can function. I think he's absolutely uh, disgusting, but, but, but he is going to, first of all, I have a super crazy conspiracy theory that I really do believe. I think Weinstein killed Bourdain. (laughs) 